Thank you, Lacey, for leading us this morning in worship, both in music and through the service. And thank you, Ruth and Kristen, for taking us through that snapshot of our 60 years of history here at Fort Gary MB. It's amazing what God has done. It's amazing how God is faithful and equips us and provides all that is needed for ministry, for the life of the church to build us up, to lead us into the work that he has for us. I hope that you were encouraged by that story. And if you have been a part of this story, whether it's been for six months, six weeks, or for 60 years, I encourage you to share what God has been up to through this place as God has ministered to you, as God has met you through the words that have been spoken, through the messages, through the singing, through the life groups, through all the different ministries, and through the times and places where you have been sharing of your gifts with the life of this congregation. Because as we share these stories with each other, we encourage one another and build each other up. And that's what Paul is saying here in Ephesians chapter 1. That we as a church have been given a calling. A calling to build one another up, to build up the church of Jesus Christ. And he emphasizes how we are to do this through a ministry filled with the Spirit, walking together in unity in our one calling as the people of God. Over the last uh, number of weeks, we were working through this series called A Cross-Shaped Community. I told you last week that was the last sermon in the series. Well, I'm extending it just a little bit. I, we had hoped this morning to hear faith stories of those who were joining our church through membership this morning. And so I had planned not to say as much and to let their testimony be what God was saying to us. So I will, in a very humble way, try to fill in what I know God was up to in the lives of the believers who are joining this place and saying, I commit to walk together with what God is doing here at Fort Gary. As we went through this series about the cross-shaped community, we learned about just how challenging life can be as a people of God. We learned that Jesus himself lived in very polarized times where there were tensions, where there were factions, where there were people and situations pulling apart in a place where the message of Jesus was drawing people together. The rabbis of the day had learned and were walking with this tension that they saw in the texts and the questions of daily life, and they resolved those in ways that perhaps didn't leave a clear answer but actually sat in the tension that they saw. We also learned that the early church had to deal with some very, very challenging contexts and situations. 
as they wrestled with what it meant for those who were Gentiles, those who were not part of the Jewish faith, for them to be adopted in and welcomed and to become part of what this one church was. What it meant to be united with people who are so different from you, whose worldview, whose background, whose history, whose way of thinking was so completely different. And now we're drawn together in Jesus Christ. It was hard. It took a lot of work. It took a lot of patience. It required the spirit of God and his power and his presence to allow that to happen in such a way that this diverse people, as Paul says, that there was a dividing wall that the spirit has torn down through Jesus Christ, uniting this people into one people, a kingdom people. We have learned together that our unity lies not only in believing the same things. And in fact, if it's only about that we believe the same things, that's not going to keep us united. It's actually that we share together in the life of Christ through our practices and our daily walk with Christ. This is what unites us. Our beliefs are the focal point. Jesus is the center, and it is our walking together which draws us into deeper and deeper unity. We learned also, as a counterpoint to our tendency to try to create unity, to try to, through our efforts, make a unity, that we learn that our unity in Christ is a gift from God, not something that we achieve through our efforts. Rather, we are living into the unity that we have been given. Here in Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about the gifts that God has given to the church. And that was part of why we were focusing on this passage as we were going to welcome members into the church as they share their gifts with the church. But I think now I understand that there was more that God was up to in this passage that we had selected. In Ephesians chapter 4, sorry, not chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul starts off this way. He says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, or in the Lord, I beg you. I beg you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Paul begs the church to live into what they have received. Now, I try as a pastor, as I preach, I try not to be too too much in that frame when I'm, when I'm teaching or when I'm preaching to be begging you. You probably would get really tired of it. You might be tired of me anyway, but not much I can do about that. But Paul is begging the church. Why? 
It's because he realizes and he knows just how central this is to the calling, to the work of the church. I can hear it already as Paul is sending this letter to the church in Ephesus and the first words out of his, I beg you to live in a way that is worthy of what you've been called to. And I can hear somebody going, yeah, but it's hard. Uh, Yeah, it's hard. Doing that which is our calling is a high calling and it is hard. And I can imagine Paul retorting, yeah, did you hear the first words that I said? I, Paul, the prisoner in the Lord. Paul knows very well what the cost is of following Jesus. What it takes to be faithful, even for him to the to the point of being a prisoner in jail, in chains, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, if I'm a prisoner of the gospel, a prisoner because of the gospel, can you hear my words? Can you hear my calling? Live into this as you are called. He goes on to say, with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. How much effort is Paul begging us, the church, to put into this life of unity? How much? Just a little? He doesn't say, try as much as you can Just try, okay, to live in that peace, in that unity. No, he says, make every effort. Do you know what it looks like in your life to make every effort to accomplish something? That means everything else gets set aside. That means all of your focus, all of your energy, all of your attention is focused on that thing. Paul says, make every effort every effort to maintain the unity in the spirit. Can we hear that for us today? But what about when we can't agree? Because it seems that there are points on which we just end up seeing things differently and we cannot come to an agreement even when we are putting every effort into maintaining our unity. And Paul's answer is this. He says even, and these are my words inserted into Paul's words, so please take this in that way. He says, even when there is disagreement and difference, there is one body and one spirit, and you are called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. He talks about this as being in the bonds of peace. That says to me that even when we have this disagreement, even when we have these tensions that are pulling in different directions, we recognized in the midst of that, that regardless of our disagreement, regardless of our difference, we are still one church, one people called together together. 
In this passage, Paul goes on to say that each of us has been given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift <coughs> among us. And then he quotes a passage from the Old Testament. Some of you, of course, recognized that passage right away, I'm sure. Others of you had to look it up like I did. And we find that when he says, you know, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive and he gave gifts to his people. It's in quotation marks. We recognize, well, that comes from somewhere else. What is Paul teaching here? In Psalm 68 is where we find those words. Specifically, we find those words about midway through that Psalm 68. It's a Psalm of David. And if you read that psalm, you will quickly find that Paul here has misquoted scripture. Can you believe it? The apostle Paul misquotes scripture. Really? Why? Let's see. If we're in Psalm 68, and if you have it in front of you, you can pull it up and you can look at it. It says in Psalm 68, you ascended the high mount leaving captives in your train, leading captives in your train and receiving gifts from people. But here in Ephesians, in the letter that he writes, he says that he gave gifts to his people. Psalm 68 says he received gifts from people and now he's saying Christ gave gifts. Why is that? Well, if you go into the academic stuff and you start looking at the ancient texts and the early church, you will find some variation where there is some disagreement. Was it receiving or was it giving? But generally, the consensus is no. The best texts that we have say that Jesus or that he was receiving gifts. So why does Paul quote it in this way? This is something that the writers of scripture do regularly. They reference a point in the scriptures that they already have received. And they point to it as a starting place for what God is doing. Listen to these words also from Psalm 68. Father of orphans, protector of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God gives the desolate a home to live in. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity. Rain in abundance, O God, you showered abroad. You restored your heritage when it, was, when it languished. Your flock found a dwelling in it. In your goodness, O God, you provided for the needy. You see, in the context of this psalm, David is praising God for how he has provided and given gifts to his people. These are the words that would have been echoing in people's minds as he refers to this psalm, Psalm 68. And it is in this way, as Paul, as Paul refers to it, he says, but each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift when he led us as captives out of death into eternal life. Because Psalm 68 goes on in verses 19 and 20 to say this, blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. Our God is a God of salvation and God the Lord 
To him belongs escape from death. Paul isn't misquoting. Paul is using a familiar passage to remind the people that he is writing to. Our God is the one who sustains and gives us this life in Christ. And we have received from him this tremendous blessing. And part of that blessing is that Christ brings gifts to the church for the calling of the church. What have we received? In verse 11, chapter 4, Paul says that he, Christ himself, granted that some are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to maturity of the faith, Come until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity and to the measure of the full stature of Christ. The five gifts that are mentioned here are gifts that we call gifts of leadership. And Paul says that the church has received these gifts and continues to receive these gifts of leadership. That raises a question for me as a leader here in this church. Who among us are those that have been gifted in this way? Who among us are those that are being called out and recognized of having received these gifts of the Spirit? Who among us here has been called into these ministries of equipping the church for its work? I want you to hear that question for yourself today. Who here in this place, in this body of believers, has been called to be an apostolic leader, someone who hears and sees the vision that God has for this place and calls us into that? Who here among us, is it you that has been called to be a prophetic voice that calls us to truth and grace? Are you the one that God is building up so that you can proclaim boldly the good news of Jesus Christ as an evangelist? As you heard the list of pastors and teachers this morning through the 60 years, there's, there's a timeline, there's a, there's a shelf life to uh, the pastors of a church. And you know what? I've been here 10 years. Who is coming after Who among you is God raising up to be pastor and teacher in the coming years and in the coming generation? The gifts are here. The question is, are we going to recognize, confirm, affirm, and build up those gifts so that the work of this place continues on? We have been here now for 60 years in this place And our leaders, through the power of the Spirit, have been equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Who is that, the saints, doing the work of ministry? I hate to say it, because I really like being on the stage and, and, you know, being the one with the lights shining on them. But the work of ministry in this place is not the pastor. 
The work of ministry in this place is not the prophet and evangelist. It is not the teacher. The work of ministry in this place is you, my brothers and sisters, engaged in the daily work of following Jesus, saying yes to Jesus, and engaging in life through the spirit of Christ, inviting others into this Jesus thing that we are a part of. If you've been a kids club leader, if you've been a CNC sponsor, if you've been a youth leader, a Sunday school teacher, if you've been in a life group, if you've been on a hosting team, if you've been helping our refugees, if you've been a caregiver or a council member, if you have served in any way among us, you are living out the calling of the ministry of the church. Earlier this week, I met uh, with our focus partnership team. I know we haven't talked a lot about it in the last couple of months. They've been quietly, busily working away at the calling that we've given. For those of you who just need a little refresher here, our focus partnership is our work together with Multiply, our mission agency, to be a presence in our community, reaching out to the families that live right next door to us in these apartments. We've been doing this for a number of years now, and last year we had Liam, who was an intern here, working with us, and he lived in the apartment next door for the full year, and he was reaching out to families and creating these these connections and inviting people to to eat dinner together and, and fellowshipping together, and his year as an intern ended, and now Kaylee is there. She moved into the apartment where Liam was, and Liam is still helping And Liam and Kaylee are serving together with us in our EAL ministry on Thursday afternoons with newcomers to Canada. Out of that has grown a Bible study in which a number of new believers have come to know Jesus and are digging into what it means to be a follower of his. And just a little while ago, there was a baptism that took place among that group. God is at work here among us, the ministry of the church. My heart gets so full when I think of all that God has done and is doing and what he will do here through Fort Geary. The ministry of the church is to build up the body of Christ. It's not only about learning and knowing more about Jesus and the word, it's also Things like growing in our encouragement, growing in prayer, growing in acts of service and the generosity of our giving as we engage in mission teams and all kinds of other ways that God calls us to be faithful. We grow into our connection and belonging with one another. We grow in our formation of discipleship and faithfulness. We grow in mission together. And all of this together will lead us continually into a life of unity and a growth towards maturity in our lives as individuals and as a church. As Paul says, to the measure of the full stature of Jesus Christ, as we become together more and more like Jesus, looking more like Jesus, sounding more like Jesus, 
acting more like Jesus as we are filled with the spirit of Jesus here among us. This is what we are celebrating together in 60 years of God's faithfulness in this place. And this is our vision for going forward. May we be filled with the spirit of God, becoming and living into that identity as a cross-shaped community for the world so that they may know the goodness of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the unity that you have given us through Jesus Christ. Lord, in the times of challenge and difficulty, in the disagreements and differences of our lives and in our, the way that we see the world, may we always be drawn back to that unity that we find in you. Lord, we are so thankful for the gifts of leadership that you have brought to this church. God, we pray that you would raise up those gifts of leadership among the next generation of leaders, that you would give us eyes to see where your spirit is at work, raising up new prophets, apostles, teachers, pastors, shepherds. Lord, I pray that you would help us to encourage those gifts and to bring them into the ministry of this place. And Lord, we are so thankful for how your spirit has empowered each and every one of us to walk in faith together, to walk in faith, one faith, one spirit, as we are one body, the people of God in this place, proclaiming your good news to all people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.